I want you to go to 1 Chronicles chapter number 29 for, for just a few moments this morning. I want to share something with you, and, and I'm telling you, it's amazing how all of this just kind of plays together and comes together in the light of our message. It's going to be very brief this morning. I know you don't believe that, but it is. It's not going to be long at all. I promise that. But I want to deal something with you in, uh, this morning, and I want you to find your Bibles in First Chronicles. That's over in the Old Testament, not Corinthians now, but go to Chronicles. That's back in the Old Testament, the book of First Chronicles, chapter number 29. And as you're finding your place, I want to give just a very, very brief, brief, quick history of I Know Baptist Church. Some of you, this is your first time of being here on a homecoming Sunday, and we're glad that you're here. Some of you have been around like I have for several years, and some of you even longer than we have. But let me give you something just very briefly and quickly. I want to get into this text, and I want us to move on into our service. But everywhere I go, when people ask us to come in to preach or we come to uh, or introduce to somebody, we tell them we're from I Know Baptist Church. They always ask, how in the world did I know get its name? How did I know get its name? And I try to tell the, the brief history of it as much as I know it that I've got written down here or that's been printed, I should say. But let me give you this, and I want to move on with a couple of things, and uh, we want to get into our text for just a moment. But many people have been puzzled as to the origin of the name of I know. According to tradition, by the name originated in the following way. In the early days, a man by the name of Herring Wise ran a store in the community, and arrangements had been made to apply for a post office for the community. It was necessary to select a name to be submitted to the postal department. And one day, a group of local people were gathered at the store discussing a possible name. And it seems that several people were anxious to provide the name and were suggesting names rather freely. One person trying to get the ears of the group kept saying, I know, I know what to call it. Since no one seemed to be listening to him, he kept repeating, I know, I know. And another, finally another broke person broke in and said, that's what we'll call it, I know, and we'll spell it I-N-O. Now, that's how I know got its name. And it's all on this piece of paper. If that's wrong, then somebody wrote it wrong. But anyway, uh, J.C. Carnley, years, uh, just with our, one of our charter members, just passed away in June of this year. He was 102 years of age. And every year he had the opportunity he would come and, and be in our service. But this past June, just a month or so ago, he passed on and went to be with the Lord. But one of the charter members of I Know Baptist Church. And I'm not going to give you all the background of it, but I just want to mention this to you that we're in this building this morning, uh, ladies and gentlemen, because of the charter members of this church. They had a vision to start a place, to meet, and to be able to gather. Had a revival back here in the early days, in the early 20s, and had a revival meeting, and God moved, and, and God began to do some work here, and the foundations was laid. And sometimes I think we tend to forget where we've come from, and we get so far down the road, we forget about what's happened in the past. But always remember that history repeats itself as, as, it, as we go through even life's lessons, and we can see what happened. God birthed it within someone's heart for a place in the community in the middle of absolutely nowhere, and here we are. And some of the members now that were members or, or when I got here a few years ago, some 17 years ago, you know where they are now? They've gone on to glory. They're in the, they're, listen, they're on the other side of Jordan. And you know what they're doing this morning? As Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 says, we're so greatly compassed about with such a great a cloud of witnesses, and they're watching down on us. And you know, 
and I don't know what all they see and can and cannot see. I know they're in the presence of the Lord. But do you know something, ladies and gentlemen, if I can use my sanctified imagination for a moment, you know what they're doing? They're cheering us on. They're saying, go on, go ahead, keep moving, keep running, and keep fighting the forces of evil because one day when you cross the finish line, what a glorious day it's going to be. And we talk about homecoming. We talk about that great reunion in the air. And I'm telling you what a glorious day it's going to be to see all those that have gone on before us and those that we've had the, the privilege and the honor to bury here even in the recent days of our pastorate here at I Know Baptist Church. But you know, we've come to a place this morning, a beautiful structure to be able to worship God in truth and in spirit. But you know, in the founding years, way back years ago, some 80 plus years ago now, it was in the heart of men to have a place in the middle of the community that they could come and honor God and give him reverence and give him praise that lives might be changed, that marriages may be restored, that the shackles of sin may be, listen, broken down. And thanks be unto God, somebody had the vision. And thank God we are where we are in the year 2009. Because without them and the vision they had, you and I may not be here in this building this morning. But thanks be unto God, for to God be the glory, great things he has done. Amen. I want to share something with you this morning in the book of 1 Chronicles, chapter number 29. I, I, would, I began to go through this passage of Scripture, and I, I found a word in there that I want to just share briefly with you this morning, and we want to move into our time of baptizing and other decisions may need to be made. But I want to read you something, and I, 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 I failed to realize the importance of this video this morning or the, the little drama that the, that the youth put on. But the Bible says in the book of Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23, I've got this wrote down. Listen to this. Listen to this. It says to keep thy heart with all diligence, okay? It means to guard it. It means to do everything that you can to be able to guard and to keep your heart because the Bible says in Proverbs 4, 23, for out of it are the issues of life. And you know, you saw so beautifully depicted here how that person had a, a relationship with the Lord and how they were walking along and then all of a sudden it seemed that everything else began to come in the place of that relationship and how things begin to pull away at their heart and, and the alcohol that you saw and, and the monies that come and, and to dress a certain way and, and then it, it, it seems as we can't find the answer to life's questions and we wonder what's going on in our life but I can just say this, ladies and gentlemen, we may not have all the answers to all there is in the, in, the, in the life questions, but there's one thing that we can do. We can bow our knee before the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords as the choir beautifully saying, we may not, listen, we may not be able to trace his hand, but there's one thing we can do. We can trust his heart. Amen. Because I'm telling you, he loves you with all the ounce of love that he has to give to you and me as an individual person, and I am so glad that he did. In our text in 1 Chronicles 29, David is now in the process of about to build the, the, the temple of the Lord. And I'm telling you, he's passing the baton now. He's given the instructions to his son Solomon. He wants his son Solomon to build it because the Lord in the previous chapter 28 wouldn't allow him to do that. Nothing wrong with David trying to build the temple. He was a man that was after God's own heart. But God did not allow that to happen in his life. So therefore, instead of David getting mad, 
had and being rebellious against the Lord and God had chosen Solomon instead of David to build the temple. I'm telling you what happened to David was he got on board with what God was doing because God was in their midst and God was allowing them to have a place that they would be able to structurally come into a place and be able to worship God in truth and in spirit. And we understand in the 21st century that you and I, we know that God does not, is not confined to this building. We have a beautiful place to worship and thank God it is cool some, amen, and it's warm in the winter and it's, it's not wet in here when it rains. But understand that we have the presence of the Lord that live within us now and we are the temple of God as Paul said in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 6 verses 19 and 20. But then in chapter number 29, David begins to lay it out. He said that, listen, that God caused the building of that temple to happen as you're in here to this morning. It was the reason was years ago, 80 plus years ago, God had laid it in some men and women's heart. After revival coming, God transformed their life and their hearts got right with God. That, listen, God caused the building of the buildings and thank God for all the buildings that we have because if we didn't have the buildings, we would not have a place to be able to seat you. But something else in verse number one, too, not only was it God caused, it was God-centered. If you look in the very tail end of verse number one, for the palace is not for man, but for the Lord God. And please understand that this building this morning is not for Brother Gary or for the choir or for the deacons or the Sunday school teachers. It's for one reason. It's a place that we can come together and that we can reach out and we can put people on the pews beside us that are hurting, that we can love and that we can walk with, that we can, we can listen, that we can intercede with. It's not because of man-centeredness. It's because it's God-centered and God's caused and we thank God for all that's going on in our lives, amen, in the life of you that are here this morning. Why? Because somebody prayed for you, somebody lifted your name up before the Lord, and thanks be unto God, you got your heart right, amen. Let me show you something else, if you will, please. Look with me and, and go on over, if you will, in, in uh, chapter 29. Let me show you something in verse number 13 now. Let me read this real quickly for you, and let's be through. Some things in here I want to give to you very quickly. Look with me in verse 13. David's asked the people to be involved. He's asked them to help with their offerings, and they have, and God's blessed, and God's given. And I know people, Brother Ronnie, when they leave, preacher always talks about money. It's not about your money. It's about your obedience unto the Lord. Amen. And that's all I'm going to say about that at this particular time. But in verse 9, the people rejoice, for they offered willingly, because look at the word, with a perfect heart, they offered willingly to the Lord. They had a perfect heart. Their heart was perfect. But look with me in verse number 13. What happened? happens now is that David begins to praise the Lord, okay? And I know you may be visiting with us this morning in the building and you're here on, the, your family's invited you to come, but I'm telling you, I'm glad that I got, we can come to a place of worship that if we feel free that if we want to raise our hands, we can raise our hands. If we can get some that want to say amen, which means so be it, they'll just pipe it right out, amen? And there's some set around you that spooks you a little bit. If you'll let me know, we'll move them up here on an amen corner and we'll section them up but hey, I'm glad that we've got the freedom of God to be able to worship him, friend. And David knew it. And David was bringing allegiance not to himself and not to Solomon, but to his dear son, Jesus Christ, who established everything that David had in his life. Here he comes. He's, he's shouting it down. Now, I can just see it in my mind. He's praising. Listen, Jesus said, that, listen, if you don't praise me, the rocks would cry out. And I don't want a rock taking my place. Amen. God bless some of y'all. Look with me now. 
Therefore, our God, in verse 13, we thank thee and praise thy glorious name. Who am I and what is my people that we should be able to offer so willingly after this sort? For all things come of thee and of thine own have we given. Understand something. One little quick point we're moving. Everything you've got, God's give to you. Everything you've got. The clothes on your back, the food in your freezer, and the everything, the car that you drive, the gas that you put in it, the little money you may have wherever it's put in. I'm telling you, it comes from the mighty hand of God, friend. Don't you get so self-centered you think you're making it. Hey, without God's blessings and mercy, we'd all be bankrupt financially. But praise be in the God. He sent his dear son that spiritually we got everything that we need. Look what I've done, Brother Gary. I know where it come from. You may acknowledge, not acknowledge it, but I know where it come friend, from, friend. It come from the hand of Almighty God. And when you praise his wonderful name, he'll open the windows of heaven and pour out more on you and you'll be able to stand. Can I just throw this in for free? I promise we're going to move. Had a dear young lady in our church just a moment ago out in the foyer shared a blessing with me. She'd been praying about going on the mission trip in September that we have another one coming up. And we'd really begin to pray about this and really seeking the Lord on this. And then she, she just very briefly gave a testimony. She, listen, she committed to do it. She didn't know where the money was going to come from, but she committed to go ahead. Yes, I'm going to go ahead and go. And guess what? After she committed the next couple of days, she got a check in the mail to pay for it all. <laughs> and listen, you can praise him for that. Where did it come from? What difference does it make? He sent it to her. She didn't know it was coming, man. This was some way back in 2003. Listen, that's the kind of God we serve, man. If you will give your allegiance to him, he can send the ravens and drop it in and put it in your doorstep if he needs to. Nothing's too hard for him. I just threw that in for free. Look with me now. I've got to move on with this. I'm telling you, they just got me pumped up this morning. I'm trying to be mindful of our time. We've got the baptizing groceries on the table. Amen. I smell them chicken. They waving them chicken wings back there. Hang on, boys. We'll be there in a minute. Look with me. Everything comes from God. Notice now. It's not a wrong in verse 16, but here it is. Look, look with me in verse 17. I know also, my God, that thou triest the heart. And has found and has pleasure in uprightness. As for me, look at what David's saying about himself now. He's not bragging. He's a man after God's own heart. God's not allow him to build the temple. He could have been bitter and angry and mad about it. Hey, hey, listen, his heart was right with God. That's why it didn't matter. He just wanted God to get glory, whoever did it. Here he said in verse number 17, As for me and the uprisings of mine heart, I will willingly offer all these things. And now have I seen the joy of thy people which are present here to offer willingly unto thee. His heart was upright. His heart was where it needed to be. And I'm telling you, Proverbs said, you need to guard that heart and keep it with all diligence because out of them come the issues of life. Thanks be unto God that David had a perfect heart and an upright heart. Amen? Now let's move on. Verse number 18. O Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and of Israel, our fathers, keep this forever in the imaginations of the thoughts of, thy, of the heart of thy people. Prepare their heart unto thee. 
What does that mean, Brother Gary? Listen, if you want to write this down, it means to be fixed. F-I-X-E-D, fixed. It means that, listen, David's heart was upright. David knew God. David was a man after God's own heart. Even with the issues of sin in his life, when he numbered the tribes, committed adultery with Bathsheba, we understand that. But he confessed them and got right with God, and his heart was right with him. Now he's asking God to make sure that Solomon and the people's heart stay focused and fixed on him. Now, don't you think we could preach there for about two hours this morning? But we're not going to do that this morning. But I'm challenging everybody in this building. Man, the summer days hopefully are over and behind us. And I pray that God this morning, through the Holy Ghost of God, will begin to tighten up the wretches of your heart. That listen, if it ain't up right this morning, before you leave this building, it will be right with him. Second of all, it'll be fixed. And nothing, nothing, nothing will sway your, your walking with him. You've got your eyes on him and everything else is secondary down to this life I'm telling you David wanted his people to have his heart fixed on them number three look when verse number 19 and give unto Solomon my son a perfect that means to be loyal boy isn't that something our loyalty where is our loyalty ladies and gentlemen where is it our first place it ought to be loyal to God he said here, uh, unto Solomon my son with a perfect heart to keep thy commandments, thy testimonies, thy statutes, and to do all these things and to build the palace for which I have made provision. I'm telling you, can you see the heart of David in that? The leadership is now about to be passed on to his son Solomon. He said, God, my heart's upright with you. I want my people, I want their heart to be fixed upon you. But then I want Solomon the leader. Listen, Lord, I want his heart to be loyal. I want it to be steadfast. I want it to be unshakable. I want it to be unmovable. I want him to love you. I want him to love the commandments. I want him to love the testimonies. I want him to be sold out into you. And you know the story as well as I do, most of you do. He was until his latter years. In his latter years, he began to wander and wane and got off the beaten path and married 700 wives and 300 concubines. Bless that man's heart. Had a thousand mama laws running around his house. His heart strayed from God, ladies and gentlemen. His heart strayed from God. Do you hear me? Why did it stray, Brother Gary? One thing is... All those wives he married didn't believe like he did. And when they didn't believe like he did, they began to, if you please, put the pressure on the old boy. And his heart began to wander. David in the Bible said, Lord, just let him love you. Let him keep the commandments. Let him be all that he needs to be. But listen, ladies and gentlemen, our hearts are prone to wonder. And we ask God to come and to seal our hearts with his presence that they might be upright. They might be fixed. And then, last of all, that we'd be loyal. Amen.